someone you should know. A program about people you know, and even more that you don't. Hosted by Stuart Sachs, veteran, husband, father, and grandfather. Now, here's your host, Stuart Sachs. Well, welcome to another edition of Someone You Should Know, and he's sitting right next to me. Michael Stein is my guest today. Uh, we're going to be talking about his phenomenal career, which has been been pretty varied, but the most amazing thing, Michael, I think, is that, that you started at such an early an early age uh, in, in your career, um, and we're, we're going to talk about that. We are brought to you by our good friends uh, over at No Sweat Air Conditioning. Uh, no sweat experts has their, their stuff together. You know, it's cold out now. You don't want that furnace to fail you. And they come out four times a year, not the typical two, like most companies. So you need to reach out to no sweat experts, have them come out, check, make sure your system is already right now for the heating. And then as we head into the spring for your, for your, uh, you know, the, the summer air conditioning, give them a call. No sweat experts, good people. Well, Michael, the more I read about you, the more fascinating it became, because I'm going to let you do a lot of the talking here, but why don't we just start where most people start, and that's with your childhood. Uh, you know, where were you, where were you born and raised, and what kind of childhood did you have? Uh, yeah, I'll give you the uh, quick version of me and why I guess I'm talking today. So, uh I do a podcast called long shot leaders and I uh, consider myself a long shot. And that's why, you know, my, my grandmother escaped the Russian concentration camps on the way to America. And my dad was a New York homeless street kid. Only he became a billion, a millionaire eventually, but then he lost it all to be homeless again. And, uh, I grew up, you know, I had, I was the youngest. So I had to sleep with my grandmother in the same room. until I was like nine. Uh, my mom held down to this nice house in Encino where my dad made money. And then we were like the poorest family in a wealthy neighborhood, like the Encino Jubilees. So I, you know, would hear this story from my grandmother, how we escaped the Russian concentration camps. You're lucky to be alive. And I, I was uh, at health issues. I was born two months premature, had ADD and they didn't know what it was. And, and I had uh, focusing issues and, uh, you know, in and out of the hospital when I was a kid and, um, I really didn't have any success until I made people laugh, you know, uh, that was making, making people laugh at myself and others and, uh, you know, self-deprecating and, um, like most American kids, my life changed when I saw the movie Rocky. I said, "Hey, here's a guy like me. You know, he's not successful. Uh, you no, know? he's he's not. You know, he he's funny. You know, and he, he keeps on failing, but he keeps on getting back up. The difference between this guy and myself is he's physically fit. So then I said, I'm gonna work out every day like this guy. And then you know, about four years later, I became a physical fitness trainer. When I was 16. I was had success in two things now. And I said, Oh, time plus effort. So I asked my uh, high school tutor, I said, you know, she said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be an entrepreneur, an actor and a stand-up comedian when I graduate. And she's like, well, you might want to just work with your hands because not everybody's meant to do what they want to do. So I said, screw you. My dad didn't finish the eighth grade, became a millionaire. Granted, he's visiting us right now in a van, you know, that he lives in, you know, but he did it. So uh, I started a business a day after high school, got two sales within one hour and out of my bedroom. And then that business failed miserably because I was had ADD and I wanted to go out summertime about six months later, I got my shit together. And I was like, you know, I did stand up comedy first time I was 19 and I brought a lot of people there and I said, Hey, I could bring a lot of people to nightclubs, you know, cause nightclubs were really big in Los Angeles at the time. 
So I decided to become a nightclub promoter. Within six months, I became the number one nightclub promoter in Los Angeles at that time. And uh, that opened up the doors for me to become an actor, which we talked about in the pregame. Uh, I was I, My first acting role was playing Dirt Diggler in the Dirt Diggler story, which is the short film, to Boogie Nights, which I appear in as well. And then that opened the door for me to make my own films. And I made award-winning films, short films, and then uh, got close to make, getting a movie deal with Hollywood and Trimark Pictures, and it kind of fell through. So I, uh, you know, just not close. I wrote a lot of screenplays, you know, for myself and almost got them made. So I said, you know, I'm gonna make my own movie. Screw you guys. Uh, only problem is I was broken and dead at this time. Cause I left my nightclub business to become a, a filmmaker and an actor. And I said, I'm going to be an entrepreneur again. And I started tarsplus.com. And within six months I made a half a million dollars and I then wrote, directed, produced and acted in a film with, Hey Dunaway, Andy Dick, and Coolio, and many other actors you've seen called Love Hollywood Style. And it did decent, but it didn't make all its money back. And I, and I said, you know, I almost killed this business trying to make this movie. I said, I'm going to take care of this business. So every day since then, it's it's made well over $100 million, and it continues to grow. I'm actually launching, my hat says Bolator on it, a new company in two months, which hopefully will revolutionize the outdoor products industry. And uh, the business continues to grow. I still do stand-up periodically. But uh, I'm an entrepreneur and I never listened to my uh, tutor. And that's why I'm talking to you today. And I guess why I'm a long shot leader. Well, that's our show, folks. Uh, we'll catch you <laughs> <again> next week. <laughs> that's usually in the capsulation. Why are we talking to this guy? So I'm like, I figure, you know, that's my that's my Reader's Digest version for all you older kids. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I'm sure that a lot of the people that are watching and listening are, are uh, right now are saying, whoa, 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 wait, I, wait a minute. I, I want to know more about this, this and this. There's a lot of parts of what you just said that intrigue me. Uh, for instance, uh, being challenged as a kid, you know, a lot of children with a, uh, ADHD and everything uh, are very much introverted. And it sounded like you really were able to get outside the box and be become a little bit more extroverted. And that, that kind of led you into pursuing the entertainment industry. Uh, uh, did, did you feel that way as a child? Because again, you, you mentioned early and you just glazed over the fact that your dad was homeless, then became a millionaire and then lost it and became homeless again for a young kid who's had some health and, and, you know, uh, uh emotional issues. And that must've been really hard to get through childhood, uh, 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 with, with that, you know, that, that circumstance, am I wrong? It was hard, but I grew up in a very different kind of family and I don't want to scare your viewers, but my dad had, he was famous for having big orgy parties. He would be, when he became a multimillionaire, he had a business before that was fledgling, um, tool business. And his, his partner was named Alan Smith, who, after my dad, you know, went back to the tool business in the late seventies after the, his, uh, he sold these little calculators they call him the calculator kid he sold so many of his calculators when they became right. smaller his old business partner uh started a company called harbor freight multi-billion dollar company around the country and um so i saw rich man poor man kind of thing but i saw also like this crazy lifestyle that my dad like burning through the money and 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 and, and what could have been and then um my mom my whole family a very large family fast talking you know and i had a stutter because I was the youngest and I was trying to keep up with them and also had the, these issues. Um, so my mom looked like Marilyn Monroe and she had the personality of Don Rickles, very loving, very funny, very fast, you know, and I would try to keep up with my whole family. It was crazy. And, 
And uh, there was a lot of drugs, sex, drugs, and disco. And, um, you know, growing up around that, that's what you know, you know? So when my mom and dad got a divorce, she, when I was 10, she remarried a guy that was a sergeant in the Marine Corps. And that kind of gave me some, a different perspective. But I, growing up with my grandmother, having a stepdad, having my original dad, having a mom, having two older brothers and older sister, and, and uh, you know, the, living with all these people at the same time, except my dad would come by. There was... He, you would just still friends with everybody. You're just used to these the, a crazy, crazy family lifestyle. Everybody is used to their own brand. So I never really thought it was too different until people started to say things when I got a little older. They're like, this is fucking nuts. You know, so. Yeah. And, and actually, what you just said probably gave you a, a, a huge advantage over a lot of other people who had this quote unquote normal upbringing. You, yours, yours was challenged and all. And so you use that challenge to your advantage. Uh, you know, you also mentioned something that is intriguing to me was that you started being a, uh, doing standup, started working in some of the, some of the best comedy clubs, uh, in, in LA, uh, uh, the, the, uh, um, what was the, the, uh, comedy store, comedy store, the laugh factory, uh, and all those are, you know, really but you were 19 years old at the time, and then you started to become a promoter at age. I mean, you're not even old enough to be in these these bars and lounges and everything. And now you're promoting uh, uh, the the business. How did how did that work out for you? It was perfect for me because I was I, I was very hyper, you know. So with nightclub promotion, you you have more energy. You have is better. So. I, I kind of like, you know, just really excelled in that environment, you know, being around people and talking. So my first, the first place I started promoting, I was actually an extra on a movie called Lesson Zero. And um, we were shooting a party scene for three days straight up in Benedict Canyon, up in the Beverly Bel Air Hills. And um, I got to hang out with, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and Andrew McCarthy and a little fun tidbit. Um, for three days, I hung out with this extra. And we were like best friends on this whole shoot. And uh, it was Brad Pitt. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I promoted to such a great two, 300 people shooting nights of these things. So my, my first opening night didn't have everybody there, but you had, you know, people from high school and all the, all the, you know, the young people, I, it was, I had a young crowd and I became the number one nightclub promoter in that age bracket, just out of sheer, you know, um, you know, energy. And then eventually I got to do movie parties because my girlfriend at the time, Elizabeth Goober, her dad was Peter Goober, and I got to do one of the biggest uh, premier promotional parties for the movie Batman in 1989, which we had like 4,000 people at the Park Plaza Hotel. It's a huge event. Wow. And um, that one thing led to another, you know, but that was all done out of sheer energy and for the love of people. I, that's nothing's changed for me, I guess. I got, I got a feeling that you were the number one promoter at age 19 because you were probably the only 19-year-old promoter at, at that time so yeah okay i'm number one because you know because <laughs> you were you were really new in that that age bracket i mean you were you were a pioneer in i think in that in that field no uh, no there's there were so many other people but there was one of the guy that was younger than me and he became a really good friend of mine and i'm gonna shout out to him his name's larry pollock um he actually owns he stayed in the entertainment industry the restaurant you know, bar industry. And he owns uh, bars uh, called the Saddle Ranch Restaurant with a mechanical bowl on Sunset Boulevard. Okay. And, uh, shout out to him because he was a little younger than me because I, I, three years in, I was the guy. And then there's like and this, this 17 year old kid who started promoting house parties and, and other clubs. 
and uh, he was living large, but he he was crazy too. And uh, and uh, shout out to him because he's a good guy. So, how did other people in the industry at that time look at you and him? These these young whippersnappers coming in, and they're 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 you know stealing our thunder now. I, I don't think anybody was you know everybody's competing with each other. You know when I did the uh, the movie parties and and my other clubs were starting to really excel when I was 20, 21, you know, that's when really like a lot of people were like, what the heck is going on here? Uh, a lot of the club owners were like, I, one club, Mark, this guy, Mark Hundall, who owned like a lot of the nightclubs in Los Angeles is like, I never seen anything like this as a kid. You're going to, this is what you want to do. You, you, you're going to, you know, you're going to blow up, but I didn't want to be a restaurant owner or a nightclub owner, or I wanted to be a, a filmmaker an actor, an entrepreneur in the sense that I wanted to do something that was, not limited to a venue. And what was it like just getting, I mean, you know, I, there's so many, so many things going on in my head right now with you, yeah. Michael, to, to, to be, you know, here you are in LA, which is like the epicenter of, of acting, producing, directing, uh, there are so many stories of people that have, have waited tables for you know decades just trying to get a break and you get in there and really you you start off on the right foot and the positive foot and you you keep that going you know did you look around to the left and right and in front and back and see that hey i'm going places that there's so many other people are trying to go and yet i'm going and they're not I did think that. And I, and I, I thought I could lose this and also I can never lose this, you know? And I thought I'll just, I'll just, and I also thought it wasn't, it was cause it was tax free money. It was cash. I was in a cash business and I felt like this is not a real business. I was, I was not, I, I never went to, I never had a college degree and I, and I was still young and I was very savvy street smart, but I was not book smart at the time. So I, you know, and also I had, you know, that's when I, just before I got involved in personal development, I basically like just left everything to try to be a filmmaker, an actor. And I was just like lost. And I, you know, you're like a mini celebrity when you're a nightclub promoter. And my my ex-girlfriend, Elizabeth Goober, she called me up. She just, we broke up and she's so sweet. It was like eight months later. And she's like, you know, you're not performing the best that you can be. You know, I've seen you do better. And because like, you know, I was kind of living in a small apartment in Hollywood, you know, I kind of was downsizing. I was going backwards. And she goes, you know, you should, you should do Tony Robbins. And I'm like, he, he's, he's friends with my dad. You should, you should listen to his tapes. I'm like the guy with the big teeth on the infomercials with the 30 the day program. She's like, yeah, yeah. There's like 1990. And I was like, I don't know. You know, okay. I'll do anything said. Cause I love this girl. And then I kind of like had a spurt of success again. You know, I did a, a, did a documentary on the history of LA clubs and I had went back to the park plaza and I had 4,000 more people. And, and, and I said, well, then I'm going to segue into this, but two steps forward, one step back, I got heavily involved into personal development. And that was, um, that was like, you know, an ebb and flow of success and failure, you know, of me trying to say, look, I can do anything, but then again, it has to be accompanied with work and you got to stay the course and things take time. And there's an ebb and flow of that. And it was a big journey, long journey of personal development. And since I've done like every seminar that Tony Robbins has ever done, I've been to Fiji and other, other personal development people. And um, I think it kind of like really saved or kind of painted my life in a wholly different way that I never would have if I didn't get involved in personal development. Yeah. I mean, is it fair to say that you were you were just lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time on more than one occasion? 
Well, hell yeah. Yeah. You work your ass off to be in a lucky situation. So I was like, I constantly show up, you know, I'm the guy that's like, let's just keep banging our head against this way or let's go that way. And I had a lot of energy, you know, yeah. much more energy than I have now even, you know? So I was just like, just like, go, go, go. But some of it was like, I didn't know, I didn't know I had, what did they call ADHD until I was an adult, like eight years ago. And, um, people, you know, just said, look at how much you could do. I was like, yeah, look how much I could do at the same time, but that's not necessarily a great thing. So, um, it was, it was a, it was a very, you know, back and forth thing that it wasn't, I never had an overnight and I thought certain people have overnight success, but I really think that they're, they're actually busting their ass, you know, yeah. to get those overnight successes. Yeah. And well, and there's an awful lot of them that end up becoming one hit wonders too. Uh, uh, you know, they, they have some success and, and all of a sudden they find that they were so successful in that role that every time they want another role, people perceive them as the character that they were when they became successful. And it's hard to break out of that shell. Uh, I mean, sometimes I have, I felt that with certain uh, uh, actors and actresses that I've followed over the years. Uh, most, most recently, I'll tell you one that, that really kind of got me was in the movie Elvis, uh, Tom Hanks, who was really the focus of that movie uh, as, as Colonel Parker. I just had a hard time seeing Tom Hanks in that role because he, I, every time he came on the screen, you kind of noticed him in some of the other roles that he's been in. Uh, so I, I kept saying, I would have made, if I had been a casting director, I might've gotten somebody that was a little less noticeable and, and known. Right. Is, is that a fair statement? Yeah. You know, and you define yourself. People will define, you will go out of their way to define you. So you have to reinvent yourself. And even now I'm 57. I just turned 57. And I feel like I'm, this is my Ray Kroc moment. I feel like I'm just starting, you know, uh, Ray Kroc is the, uh, the guy, the founder, founder of McDonald's uh, McDonald's. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, look, you know, I, to this point, my life can be defined. And I think most people's life can be defined like another great movie, Glenn Close in the movie, the natural, which I always quote this. And she says, you know, she says this to Retford in, in the character. She goes, I believe we have two lives, one that we learn with and the one that we live with after that. And I really kind of feel like, I am at the precipice of with my company Bolator, which will probably be the biggest thing I ever do. It will be, and I'll dwarf everything I never, ever, anything I've ever done, um, because I think I really truly believe that we're going to identify, we're going to re-identify the uh, the outdoor industry with a whole brand of patented products that are coming out in two months. And I just think that you can you you set the tone and you have to paint the picture yourself. You're the you're the paint and you're you're the one that has the control of the canvas but you have to paint so much to where other people go, Oh yeah, I could see that now. And that's how Hollywood is. That's what typecasting. And it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of, you know, telling people and it has to be natural of who you are and find your lane right. and people watch it. Well, folks, for those that are watching and listening, very easy. Michaelsteinmedia.com is the website. Go visit it. You'll, you'll, you will see a history to date of what Michael has, has, has been doing. And it's, it's incredible. And I think one thing that will pop out uh, off of the page at you was here is this guy who is very much into acting, stand-up comedy, promoting, directing, uh, everything in the entertainment industry. And all of a sudden he has this epiphany that he wants to be a successful businessman. And it, of all things, you go into the TARP, business 
uh, I mean, and, and you even mentioned right there on the page, you had no money in your pocket and you were in debt at the point, but you started this company with basically nothing. And first year was a half a million dollars and, and it's grown into, you know, triple, triple digits in the millions. And I'll tell, tell people exactly what the, the company is. Uh, it's an acronym too. the, 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 uh, the, the name of the company and I'll where this idea came from. And also we've been talking West coast, but the company is not in the West coast. No, I started in California. Um, I started off with tarpsplus.com. Why tarps? Because I wanted something that was niche and I used to donate canned food for the homeless room at my nightclubs. And I said, you know, I could donate these tarps to the homeless, you know, when it comes down to Thanksgiving time. And I just started imagining, oh, these people need for emergencies. Everybody's always going to need a tarp. I'm like the riches are in the niches. Let's, and I want to do something on the internet. So I said, let's do tarps. They could be used for multiple purposes. And uh, it just made sense to me. It was a, it was a product that made sense to me that the internet needed. And it just grew really rapidly. And then um, I did it. I first called the first year. I, you know, I was, I, I did it for, they said, this is my film business to pay for my film, Love Hollywood Style with Faye Dunaway and Andy Dick and Cooley and all those guys. And I, and then, but afterwards, I, I uh, when hurricane season came, I started buying out the rest of the country and their stock and selling it to the government. And they started, my dad was known as the calculator kid because he saw these calculators and Brother International he used to call him the calculator kid. And then eventually they called me, they were calling the whole industry. They were calling me Hurricane Mike. And I said, I said, no, I just want to be a filmmaker. But after a while, I said, you know, that's kind of cool because I always wanted to be like the calculator kid with my dad. So that business just really kind of grew and took it on its own life. And now the, the acronym that you're talking about, when you create a, a company, you create a corporation, you know, to safeguard yourself and umbrella. So I wanted to do something that was just a unique name that was original. So that that incorporation name, which is not really doesn't have its own brand. It's just a, a holding uh, um, company, but it's a, it's a called Abadak, which stands for a better atmosphere dedicated to all kind. And uh, Abadak uh, is uh, now we're starting our, uh, after patenting this product, uh, a line of these products called Bolopax, we're starting a company called Bolator. Uh, if you guys want, the Kickstarter campaign starts March 5th. The conventional launch of the company starts in a, at the end of April. And Bolator, you can go to bolator.com and check it out and get on the email opt-in. We created a backpack that opens up to a tarp that also has a hammock that also has a drain on it that also attaches to a soft cooler or can attach to different types of packs that we're calling bolo packs that attaches to a tactical backpack or a duffel bag or a day pack. And we have all these other ancillary, you know, packs that attach to this thing. And it's going to revolutionize the outdoor industry, similar to the way Yeti outdoor, you know, yeah. more so. And, uh, that's uh, where I'm at today with my, you know, I, I'm, I'm all in on, um, on that. And uh, I really truly believe that this will probably dwarf anything I've ever done uh, monetarily. And probably, you know, the good thing is, is that we're making a lot of commercials because in this day, when you start a business, you have to be like a media company. So the, the good thing is, is that I know how to write, direct, act, and you already produce. Already got your and, foot and, in the media edit. business, right? Yeah, yeah. that makes There's sense. There's a company. I'll, I'll rename. They were name. I'll, I won't name them, but they're like, yeah, we could do your whole video, and you get like four pieces of content out of it. And it's going to cost. It's only going to cost be. It's going to cost under a hundred grand. I was like, I could do all this shit myself on an iPhone 15, yeah. and and I bought the family that. I said, I said we're going on trips. I said you guys are bringing your iPhones. We got the cordless mics, and then you know I'll spend maybe a grand on on the content. And make sure that's written well. And that's what we're going to be doing. So I think we're really going to revolutionize something different here. We're not going to recreate the world, but we're going to, we got it. We made a mousetrap. that's totally different. 
Well, I, you know, even the thought of, of what you did with the co the concept of the tarps, uh, uh, everywhere in this country, there is a need for them because of, of uh, rainstorms, hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, uh, every, everything. There is always that need. And to have a company that is well put together. And how many how many years has has uh, Abadak been in business? Two thousand. So this is the at the wow. end of this year it'll be twenty four years. Wow. And and you know right there a lot of people would say okay you you've got this multi million dollar business now you're in the process of creating a new product which is probably going to be an another multi million dollar business but you didn't really say, okay, fine, I'm finished with the entertainment industry because I'm going to focus just on my my businesses. You've still had that that connection and that itch for the stand-up comedy and and doing that. It, it, do you feel that that just came natural with you, that you just couldn't let go of it? Yeah, no, I've done it off and on. And once again, as far as stand-up comedy, I, I would consider myself what I call the ham and agger. I've never done it, you know, professionally, but I've done it off and on since I'm 19 years old. I just did it, you know, a few months ago. And now because of Bolator launching, I have to take a break again, you know, but it'll always be something that I go back to just because it's in my DNA. It's like, yeah, you know, growing up in a Jewish family in Encino with having a crazy mother and family and all that. It's just uh, something that's inherent to me. It's something that you're supposed to do when you have a chance to do it. So that well, that's what that is. Yeah, you, and of course the the advantage that you have with Bolator is when you want to start to promote it, you like you said earlier, uh, look if we want if we want to create commercials, I can write them, I can can direct them, I can be the spokesperson for them, I can do everything in house instead of having to go out to to do all of this promotion because I've been there and I've done that and I can do it again and again and again. Right, you know, and that that that's the fun thing, you know, so. I do have an itch to make a film again, and I do have several scripts and one in particular that I want to make, but first things first, you know, uh, I definitely, you know, want to, you know, Tars uh, plus has been a great company and it's, and it's, I won't say how much it makes annually, but it does decent and it makes, you know, millions, but not like, you know, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's somewhere between four and 6 million. How's that a year? Okay. That's an, that's, and you know, you got, you got your costs and all that and, and, yep. and, 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 no, and it, it's a nice business, but we really want to create a, not for the sake of money, but, you know, because kids got their 529s, they're going to college, everything's paid, you know, at this point, you right. want to create something special, you want your employees to be taken care of, you want to get more employees, you want to build something huge. Bolator, to me, is something that will, you know, people will love it, employees are going to love it, you know, the growth of it's going to be amazing. You know, and the thing is, is that I can also do, and now when you start a company, a branded company like this, you need to do your media. And because of that, I get to do the same thing I've always done, which is act right, direct, you know, and, and, and come out with content. And it's just, and it's a reason why I, I love stand up comedy because when I was trying to make my movies, you know, and, and I was close to a movie deal with Trimark Pictures. They're like, all right, and they're rewrite and this and that. And I was like, screw this. I want to just grab a microphone, go to the comedy store in the belly room and start doing, like, do like a 10 minute set and, you know, be able to do the content I want. And that's kind of like the same thing with Bolator. It's like, you know what? Every brand now, every new, con you know, company that you do, any company is a media company now, like Gary Vaynerchuk says. And that's why I'm having a good time doing what I'm doing. Now, Bolator is basically, uh, as, as you said, is going to kind of revolutionize the uh, outdoor uh, experience industry. Uh, have you always been an outdoorsman? Or is no. it? 
Yeah, that, I was going to say, so, so again, where did this all come from? I, tell, I got a story about that. So, you know, being in the tarp company for, you know, since 2000s, for over two decades at this point, I was in with my great neighbors uh, that were born and raised out here in Texas. And we were in Terlingua, Texas, which anybody that knows West Texas knows that Terlingua, Texas, and Stuart's shaking his head, yes, it is out in the middle of nowhere. You're on Mars, <laughs> you know? And I, I brought all my gear. I brought my tarps and all that. And I've gone camping and, you know, fishing and all that before, but I'm far from like, you know, the Yeti guys, you know? So I'm sitting out there in the middle of nowhere on Mars, it looks like, and I'm loving this. I love it, you know? But I'm also thinking, you know, I got the tarp out there. I got the tents. I got all the stuff, you know, out there, you know, I was like, you know what, what would happen if you didn't have water, if you ran out of water, what would happen if you needed to like, you know, sleep off the ground? Cause there's snakes. What would happen if you needed to like, you know, shade yourself, you know, what, and how would you carry this stuff around? And how, if you had to bug out, where would you go? And it was like, I'm also have a little prepper in me, which because I'm an eighties kid, I'm always worried about nuclear war. So all these things kind of permeated when I was out there in West Texas. And I was like, we're going to come up with a product that is revolutionary. And that's where I got the whole idea when I was uh, four o'clock in the morning and I was taking a leak, watching a shooting star in Tulangua, Texas. And I was like, a, I was like, you know what? I think I got the product. I think I, cause I've always wanted to build this, a product that had to do with that. It, it, you know, I think that for somebody who is diagnosed with ADHD, uh, you know, to be able to sit back and, and just come up with these ideas but to have the 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 the, the moxie uh, uh, to to turn an idea into a reality uh that that's that's admirable michael uh, well i want to tell you something anybody that's listening right here all the adhd people all the people with add anybody that like says they're on the spectrum or anything like that I, first of all i don't believe in titles but if they've been told that and you really fit all those boxes i want you to listen to this you guys were all in the same boat Anybody could do anything they want to do. You use their superpowers, use that hyper focus and you go out and you get what you want because that's what we all have. And you know, you're going to believe bullshit on one end of the spectrum. Like there's an inadequacies that come with that. Well, right. you might as well believe the other end of the spectrum, which is there's some positives to it as well. So listen to that stuff too, guys. And I will tell you from a personal experience that people who are introverted and in everything uh, I would encourage you to go to your community college or whatever and and sign up for an acting class or an improv class uh, to to help you develop the ability to get that emotion that you have inside outside of the body. Wow, what a good thing. That's right. Yeah, I really believe I believe that we should study anybody you want anything to happen in your life, whatever you're trying to do. You know, you you can learn everything on, on on YouTube, but go out there and get do critical thinking, personal development. I definitely think whether you like acting or not, you know, improv classes and and acting classes are great. You know, all that study yourself up to do whatever, you, and and don't limit yourself to one thing. Have fun with learning more because learning, to quote Spencer Tracy in the uh, Inherit the Wind, he didn't say, well, learning begats learning. Yeah phrase begats you know it creates yeah. more learning and more knowledge and it, and it builds on itself you know it, you got into acting and stand up and everything but but filmmaking is also a very specialized industry in itself and and where was that turning point in in your life when you said okay i've done some acting and i've done some writing and i've done some directing but i want i want to be 
the person that puts the whole package together and be a filmmaker. I, yeah, I didn't know it was possible. I was friends with Paul Thomas Anderson because he did the Dirt Diggler story and he had me play Dirt Diggler. And I just saw this whole thing from, from start to what he, what happened. Cause you know, he was broken and he didn't have any money. He was the filmmaker and he did this short film and then he did another short film. And then he, he got his first film and I was like, Holy shit, look at this. And then Boogie Night, then Dirt Diggler story got turned into Boogie Nights. And I, and it was a gift to see this whole thing happen. Cause I, you know, you never really believe even being up growing up in LA, I never, you know, we were best friends. So I never got to see something firsthand like that go from step A to step Z with such success, you know? So, I mean, really watching that process, I got to admit, I was like, wow, this is possible. So that's really, you know, to tell you the truth, it's really what, you know, made me feel like I could do that and do other things, you know, because time, less effort, you know, I was already an outgoing person. I was always success. I was a successful nightclub promoter at that time. And I had other things, you know, success at a young age, but seeing another person do something from the beginning of, you know, something to where they really excelled at it on a global level. I was like, holy shit. I saw it from the beginning and I, this is how it works. This is, this is doable. You know, it's hard, but you know, it's possible. So, so you were cast as Dirk Diggler in the, in the original uh, film of that, that name that morphed into Boogie Nights and Mark Wahlberg was the, was the lead in, in, uh, in Boogie Nights. Did you ever have any relationship with, with Mark Wahlberg? No, I just met him a couple of times on the set and uh, pre, you know, and uh, before everything and, uh, and uh nice guy, great guy, did a yeah. great job, you know, and uh, yeah. Did, did he do a decent job as Dirk Diggler? Oh yeah, he did a great job. He was, <laughs> uh, he was, out, he was outstanding. Well, he probably got his inspiration from you. I don't know. I think he got his inspiration from a lot of play. I mean, you know, he uh, he already did the basketball diaries and uh, and he he already had uh, experience as an entertainer, you know, before that. So he did just fine. And look, look what's happened to Mark now. He's done quite well uh, monetarily and as an artist. Well, you and 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 let's face it, folks. We're talking about here's a here's a guy who is uh, an actor and a producer and director and everything, and he goes into the tarp business. Uh, hell, Mark Wahlberg was big big time in the uh, in the entertainment in industry, and he goes into hamburgers. I mean, you know, so so. You know, you can. No, I've liked watching that. I've really liked watching that because when I started the type, of like I'm like, oh, I'm failing because I was, I set out to do something yeah. and I really never got what I wanted as an actor or filmmaker. I was really never turned in over to a movie. Deal. I was like, am I failing? You know, but I, then after a while, you know, seeing uh, the way you know, other you know, other people's careers, you know, go. You know, money's a big thing sometimes. It really is the lifeblood of the engine to do a lot of you know to sure. help you do other things. So after a while, I was like, you know what? I'm okay. But it took me a while to really say, you know, I was like, you remember the movie Happy Gilmore where he's like, can we be able to put a hockey player on top of these golf trophies? There's a lot of people saying, oh my God, your business and this and that. And I was like, yeah, I wish it was the film business. You know, I wish I was making this money in the film business, you know? But I, I think that, you know, um, what I've learned now in business and coming out to Texas, getting outside of LA, you know, has been a really great growth uh, thing for me in the past 14 years. And I really learned a lot about, you know, um, uh, the diversification of uh, and and consciousness level of, you know, what happens uh, outside of the entertainment industry and the regular, you know, businesses and things like that. And it's a, it's a, been a, a wonderful learning experience. Um, and uh, to see Wahlberg do what he does now, because he's a he's a consummate like entrepreneur. 
he is pitching so many products and you know what? Good for him. And I like to see that. I like his attitude. Yeah. So you, you honestly could, could say that, that your background in the film industry really did help you as an entrepreneur businessman in, in uh, pursuing some of these other uh, avenues that you have. Everything helps everything. My failures, my successes, you know, so many failures, so many two steps forward, one steps back, you know, stand up comedy, you know, personal development, uh, uh, you know, writing screenplays, you know, uh, producing films and, and directing them and dealing with people on so many different levels and nightclub promotion. All those help everything. Everything helps everything. You know, it's all intertwined and, and learning and trying to go out of your way to be proactive, to learn as much in podcasting, just talking to you today. I've done 500 episodes at this point on all our different podcasts um, between Longshot Leaders, It's Time to Show, and now Bulletor Podcast, which is launching next month. I have learned so much by interviewing people because you have to listen. I'm doing a lot of talking today, but I do 90% listening when I'm doing a podcast. Right. And that's forced my ADHD to really concentrate and be a moment of moment with impulses and also learn about the skill sets. So everything helps everything. So um, I can't say enough to about how much, you know, if you, if you, rather than, you know, you know, watching that next show, try to force yourself every single day to learn a piece of content every day, learn, 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 and it helps everything else for whatever you're else you're trying to get. Yeah. It's kind of fill, filling up that mental Rolodex in, in your head, because when you, when, when you need a, need a tidbit, you just go up there and, and say, I've, I've got, I've got something to, to, to work on there. Right. And also audio content too, because you think yeah. that, well, I really didn't understand a lot of that. And I wasn't really listening to half of it. It doesn't matter because your subconscious is recording and your synapses are, 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 are lighting up. So it, it'll record it, you know, even if you're not totally conscious of, of what you're listening to sometimes. MichaelSteinMedia.com visit the website and all and and learn about uh his various businesses and the the Bolotar products that you've got coming out uh, uh uh pretty soon i'm i'm anxious to see what that's all about uh yeah. you if you go to michaelsteinmedia.com you go to uh Bolator, you'll see uh, a big you know banner up there it'll show you the countdown to the kickstarter campaign which is march 5th and then the conventional launch after that all those, all those Kickstarter campaigns, we already got the products that are being made right now overseas and it's being shipped over. Um, so the, the wait will be short for the Kickstarter campaign people, but then the conventional launch on the website, which is at the end of April, after everybody from Kickstarter gets all their orders, uh, we'll be launching the product and um, look out also for the, the, the commercials and, and, and the, because uh, the content is going to be freaking hilarious. It's going to be fun. And if you're ever dri driving through West Texas and everything, uh, you may see uh, Michael Stein just sitting out in the middle of no place, con just con contemplating what his next move is going to be. Yeah, or at least in Georgetown, Texas. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. We love Georgetown, Texas. It's yeah. wonderful. Not to Georgetown and, uh, you know, have some fun out here. Well, I always I end my shows every week with a quote from Oscar Wilde. I say it and the, the quote is, be yourself because everyone else is already taken. And I think you have lived that kind of life, Michael. Uh, and so I, I thank you very, very much for taking the time uh, to talk with me and to, to share your experiences with my audience. Uh, it's It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure as well.
Well, that'll do it for another edition of Someone You Should Know. Go out and make it a great day. And again, thanks again to Someone You Should Know, Michael Stein. Thanks. Go out and make it a great day. Bye. Someone You Should Know. You should know.